Hey, welcome to another episode of More to the Story. I am Farron Moore. Mm, and I'm mm, to hear mm, more. Mm, mm, I have a question. Mm, mm, no. I started this in okay. the green room when we were in Miami, Florida. And no. I want to know what's a no. what's a reasonable amount to spend no. on a date? Not a first date. What's a reasonable amount to spend on a date? Okay, but wait. Like, what class? Like, that depends on the person, this individual. Like, give me some circumstances. I, I, this I date. like to do it like this because like, I like to see this where everybody is. A third date, because some people, because they, they got it like that right. and they like to, you know, like to show off, it's like, oh, spend. You know, five hundred dollars. We're going to the blah blah blah. We're doing the blah blah blah. Like, and it's somebody else who's like, we can keep it real cute. Go hold hands at a county fair, mm-hmm. and I spent like sixty dollars because I got these two. Like, it is up to you. So it just it's up to you because once you start getting so into when that, when you say reasonable, it, it sounds it's reasonable for you. It's reasonable for you because once you start getting into all of those factors, all of those variables, mm-hmm. it, it becomes too much. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying for you, what's a reasonable amount? For you. For me. Are you asking me? No, you don't pay for no dates. How you know? I've <laughs> paid I've paid for a date or two in my life. Okay. What's the reasonable amount for you? It, um for someone um Let's say I was this just, is a this is a nice date. It isn't the nicest. Just but dating. This is a nice date. Just dating. This is not someone I'm committed to. I'm dating. That's on. Uh, that's on you. You. If you want to give that parameter, you can say. If this I'm, is someone. Okay. Well, it would have to be committed to because I don't do that for just dating. Mm-hmm. Um. But committed to. Oh. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, yeah. Like. Kind of difficult. I don't know. Like just on some quick. Quick, cute shit, like mm. maybe a hundred dollars, one fifty. Mm. Um, but if we trying to get fancy, fancy, like it's whatever's at my disposal. How I'm feeling? Yeah. <laughs> I think a reasonable amount for us uh-huh. is probably about. <sighs> if we get food and drinks, we're probably looking at about one seventy five to twenty five. Yeah. So yeah. between that fifty dollar range, one seventy five yeah. to two twenty five for us. Like if on the kid our is with date us, nights. the kid is with us is two seventy five easy. Oh yeah, two seventy five easy. The kid, mm-hmm. she so we're talking eat. about a date. Yeah. So that's me and you out. Yeah. Okay, is that reasonable for you? You trying, you want to go bigger or you trying to go smaller? I, that's fine. I mean, we've been bigger. I know that, but I'm yeah. saying like, were you trying to change the average number no, or something? I, just, I was, I was curious. Come from? I was curious to. What people are spending on dates? Mm. I was really curious. Oh, because I see all of these things about first dates, and you know, the guys are like, one guy said it's a what is it? Uh, what what was the term he used? A uh, micro date or something like that? Like to a coffee shop? Like before you start investing money in a person, uh-huh. you know, go to somewhere inexpensive like a coffee shop right. and stuff like that. And I always encourage younger guys to do something like that. Yeah. Like you I like mean, somebody. Yeah, that was one of our first days. Yeah, yeah, we went to Starbucks. Yeah. But like it wasn't to, to save money. It's just like that was from a well, when I'm talking to the younger guys, I'm like, that's not from a save money solo standpoint. It's also from like you can talk to this person without getting them drunk 
or having mm-hmm. them make any decisions under the influence. So mm-hmm. get to know that person first. But and you know, it's the a guys, place to actually talk, like it versus going to the movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, because you know some of the guys are like, no, I'm not, I'm not paying for just your meal and all that type of mm-hmm. stuff. But you know. I was just curious of like what people are spending on first dates or mm-hmm. what people are spending on dates, period. What you spent on first dates when you go out with other people? Uh, I used to spend uh, probably about between 100 and 150. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's okay, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know. I mean like, I don't know. I mean, I guess. Let me, <laughs> let me see them first and see if they're worth $150. <laughs> I ain't been on no first date. I'm like, you better take her to the Applebee's, get that two dollar margarita. <laughs> no, what's that movie theater? They do like six dollar tickets on Will Tuesdays. <laughs> a lot of you better take her to AMC? six dollar Tuesdays at the movie theater. Yeah, movies are horrible. No concessions, date, bitch. No, <laughs> no concessions. Bring your big purse. <laughs> we got a pack in the car. We can meet me at the Dollar Tree. We go grab some. <laughs> I think the most I've ever spent on a first date was probably about, I'd be like two seventy five on the first date. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, you really like that number, eh? That's just, just what it was. Huh? That's just what it was. Mm. Okay. The most I ever spent on a first date, never. $17. <laughs> I paid for parking. <laughs> it's fun being a girl. It's, it's, y'all, y'all get a lot of the benefits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, what did Corey B shirt say? <laughs> Monogamy is for broke people. <laughs> hey, listen, it it's it ain't just for broke people, okay? But it, it, it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. You got to think about more than one birthday, more than one anniversary, more than one just because, more than one additional flight. <laughs> yeah. And it's always the guy that picks it up. So the women just be like, <laughs> where we eating? <laughs> Make it enough. No. Lies. Where we eating? Make it a you've even had like just female friends do that to you too. Just assume you're gonna pick up the check. And it's like, bitch, this was a lunch meeting. Like yeah. <laughs> this was a meeting, not a date. I've re- I've, re- I've I've scaled back a lot though. Mm-hmm. I've scaled back a lot on that. Cause we used to meet up at my spot and I would buy. I would buy drinks for probably like 20 people. He was buying everybody's goddamn drinks. I was like, you know we ain't got to do this, right? We ain't got to. We ain't got to. I just like to have a good time. Yes, let them have a good time on their own fucking wallet. Like, you ain't about to be paying for everybody's goddamn drinks and then get home and talk about how much we spend to at the house. What the fuck? Get that drink money back, nigga. Venmo these motherfuckers. (laughs) Yeah, I pull back. Uh, I scale back a lot. Scale back a lot. Oh my god! I sure be watching who who drinks you got. (laughs) Meet me in this bathroom. We we need a business meeting real quick at this bar. (laughs) (laughs) She bring around a little calculator thing on her waist and bring the hat out. (laughs) (laughs) Did they add gratuity? They add gratuity after something (laughs) out. Right. <laughs> At least tell me that these motherfuckers with these free drinks tipping. So you got a tip for them too? Uh-uh. Nah, uh-uh. they stripping though. Uh-uh. Hello. <laughs> they ain't well, tipping, yeah. they ain't stripping. Oh my God. Um, Real quick. So I was talking to a, um, a friend of mine this morning and uh, 
just, you know, going through some shit, prepping for the the studio today. Mm-hmm. And we got to talking about how people weaponize um, therapy mm-hmm. or, yeah, weaponize therapy. And then it morphed into this conversation about just weaponizing um, mental health and as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, like, when we were saying what the definition and examples of it was, I have to say, I was like, wow, I appreciate the fact that Tahir has never, ever, ever done that. You know, I give you all your space. I don't pry into what you and your therapist talk about. If you want to talk about it, um, you you bring it up on your own. Right. Or if you bring up something that's bothering you, I'm like, well, have you talked to your therapist about it? Um, if you don't mind me asking what she, you know, what does she say? Whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, you've never used it as like a, as a, a way like, oh, my therapist, you said you're doing this wrong or, you know, that type of, um, no, babe, it's supposed to be, um, husband privileges. Mm-hmm. Take off the L-Y. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> he was putting the title on um, the last episode. Um, the so I just appreciate you never, um, never doing that. But how do you? How what's the ideal way to for your mental health to be supported without you feeling attacked by by the fact that you have a mental health issue? Um. I don't know. I mean, for me, it would be being comfortable enough to tell you what me and a therapist talked about, Mm -hmm. you being able to support that the best of your abilities. Mm -hmm. And um, after that, I guess it would be, you know, acknowledgement of when you see the work from those practices. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's it's, it's one of those things where... It's not going to change that the person wants it to change, mm-hmm. and they still putting in the work. But when you do notice the change, it is, you know, positive reinforcement when mm-hmm. you acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. You know, you thank the person for putting forth the effort, especially if it's something that is uh, beneficial for the relationship mm-hmm. or the marriage. Mm-hmm. So those are the things I would suggest, or I would, I would, you know, speak on personally because I know that's what works for me. When you compliment, like, and I notice that you are, you know, putting in more work with the kid or you're being more patient, you're being more understanding or, you know, you've been trying to, you know, be around the house more and be, you know, more mm-hmm. present with us. So when you do speak on those things, it's like, oh man, it's just that positive reinforcement. Like, okay, cool. This mm-hmm. is, you know, I'm seeing the work, I'm seeing the rewards of my work mm-hmm. because anytime you are changing something that's a learned behavior and something that you've been doing for years, it, it it's hard. So. Yes, yes. To unlearn what you've like, has pretty much kind of become like innate in a way. Because mm-hmm. the shit you do, I mean, you've been doing it and learned it very early, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, a lot of times. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the conversation of um, Jonah Hill and his ex came I am up. Completely in the dark about that. I don't know what's really? happening. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, supposedly, she's come out um, to speak on how once he started going to therapy, he started using like these, I guess kind of these like, um, like keywords mm. from therapy to like use against her to yeah. get her to change who she was. Mm-hmm. Um, 
is was a big part of it. So it was it was just funny how it's like some people go to like three therapy sessions and feel like they got it all figured out and they can start spewing all the psychology terms and all the shit like they know what they're talking about when actually it's like nah mm. you don't so um like the because a lot of people it seems like it's stopping people from holding themselves accountable when you're able to just cut off relationships or or change people attempt to change people based on what you feel you gathered from therapy. Why is therapy about what I'm doing wrong to you? You know, mm -hmm. does that make sense? Like you're in there talking, like you only came out with a message as to what I'm doing mm -hmm. wrong. Like that was it. It was not, nothing you'd burn in there talking about you at all. Yeah. Is kind of how that feels coming out of it. Well, a therapist is meant to be biased too. Mm -hmm. They're going to be biased because you're their client, but it's also their job to let you know when you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Or they actually can't say that. I think they say, well, do you think that's the right way to handle it? Mm -hmm. And why do you think that person reacted the way they do? How would you re have reacted if you were that person that was getting accused of this or uh, charged with this type of behavior? Mm -hmm. Like, So they are going to be a little bit biased, but they're also going to help you navigate through your decision making or your your previous decision making and why you made those decisions. Um, but I can see some people, mm -hmm. not necessarily calling them narcissists, but I can see some people who could be narcissists or uh, sociopaths mm -hmm. only blaming the people around them for their fucked up behavior. And I don't think that is conducive to uh, the work of therapy. I mm -hmm. think that you're just arming them to be more dangerous and abusive uh, emotionally with their partners. Um, I, I don't go to therapy because I think I got it all figured out. It's, it's quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. I know I don't have it all figured out. I know there are things that I need to still work on. I know there may be trauma that still needs to be unpacked. And I think that this person has the, they're on with the knowledge to help me ask the questions to help myself unpack it and realize the things that I could be doing better. It's not necessarily... I'm doing something wrong in certain instances. It's like I could be doing it better. And my whole idea with therapy is like, if I can be the best version of myself mm -hmm. with the help of this person, and that version is going to spill over to all areas and facets of my life, why would I not do that? Right. And so that's where the continuing of therapy goes to. Initially, it was because I had a lot of shit that I had to unpack and I wasn't in tune with my feelings and I was not good at communicating in tense situations. Now it's like, okay, how can I continue down this path to in pursuit of becoming my best self? Mm -hmm. So you what have is... to be able to take some of that uh, responsibility and not be placing it at the feet of other people the entire mm -hmm. time. Right, right. Um, wow, I, I have so many like, questions digging into that or so many comments but I know I use um the well actually we both use the term like uh best self mm -hmm. so or you know to be a better person what the hell do we mean by that <laughs> um like from personal experience uh-huh the best self of me is somebody that like I said better at communication mm -hmm. and not just in times of peace uh which is Martin Luther King quote um judge a man but not how he reacts in times of peace but how he reacts in times of chaos or something mm -hmm. like that it's i paraphrase obviously but i think that is that's the true 
character of a person. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I can say about Kev. Like, I think one time he flipped out, but he wasn't around, but he was telling us a story about how they tried to play him at this red carpet and his kids was there, Melissa was there, all that type of stuff. But I've seen Kev in very heated situations where I would have flipped. There would have been <laughs> counters broken, tables flipped, chairs kicked, and he manages to keep this cool mm-hmm. and and really conduct himself in a professional yet still stern matter mm-hmm. without raising his voice, without cursing, any of that type of stuff. And those are things that I aspire to get to. Mm-hmm. And being able to have those uncomfortable conversations where we are at a place now where we can talk about that stuff and it's not just tension in the house for a week or, mm-hmm. you know, two to three days to a week. Uh, you know, we are usually at a place where we can talk about it immediately. Uh, and even if we're not at ease, we've talked about it. And the next day, things are, for the most part, back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that came from a lot of therapy. That yeah. came from putting the work in. That came from realizing the mistakes and the errors of my ways and then communicating that with her to let her know why I reacted that way, mm-hmm. what triggered her, yeah. what triggered me, and her adjusting her tone yeah. or the the basis of the conversation or the way we started the conversations, the way she might have bright, brought a concern to me. Um, all of that t- type of stuff makes a difference, but it is a team effort. Mm-hmm, like if mm-hmm. I'm putting in the work and I'm explaining to her the work that I'm putting in and I'm trying to do and I'm telling her what triggered me and she's not putting forth an effort to make sure she doesn't approach me in the same manner, then it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. It has to be a team effort. Even if it's just one person that's going to the therapy, if they're putting in the work to really try to change then that partner needs to put in an equal amount of work to make to sure support, that's supportive yeah. of those positive changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that just uh, made me think about that show on Apple TV, uh, The Shrink Next Door with Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. So uh, Paul Rudd is, a uh, spoiler alert, um, The Paul Rudd is this therapist mm-hmm. and Will Ferrell is this really timid guy. He's like in his 40s. Um, I think he had just turned 40 or something. Mm-hmm. And it's set back... Hit a bar mitzvah Again, and all that, yeah. but he's going to this therapist, and this therapist is like basically just showing him ways to advocate for himself. Um, because he would literally like curl up in a ball at any site of um confrontation. Um, and and he the man would literally cry or hide or whatever as a as an adult, so he's helping him like advocate for your teaching him these these things so that he can move in confidence. And so the more confidence he gets, his closest family member is like, yo, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Too much change too fast. But at the same token, the therapist is also using his help as a weapon against him. And so making him heavily influencing his life decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, so is he's like getting it from both sides. This relationship fell apart because of his changes and his confidence. And this one, a toxic relationship, walked right through the door um under the guise of help. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, you um just bringing up like not having that support. So he didn't really have that support from either side. Yeah. He had what looked like support and he had absolutely no support. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just such a good show too, y'all should watch it. But um, yeah, the just reading um reading into that, like somebody said up there, using therapy words. Uh, Jonah was using therapy words to control her. Um, and in by example, like 
before um, you're fine with the way I dress, but mm. now since you're you're in therapy, now you're telling me that having someone who looks like me around you is a is an issue for you mentally, and it's like, well, wait, how? How do you fix that though? <laughs> what is that? I don't know what that means. Like, does that mean you wanted to tone it down, or does that mean you want to break up? Right, because that could that could go either way. So like that, even right. something like that needs to be interpreted, broken down, explained, yeah, uh, communicated well. Because like you can't tell a person something like that without more depth. Mm -hmm. Like it, it needs more detail attached to that. Right, right. Um, okay, but I appreciate, and I it's good to know. You know, I always want to know how to how to support, how to help. So mm -hmm. that's. That's good to know. Thanks for sharing your things with me. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and speaking of best self, I actually brought um, cards today. Mm -mm. You said no? I said, uh-oh. Oh. Let's say, why no? We love these. Um, Which category? Ah, these dealer's are choice. the icebreaker ones. Dealer's choice? Dealer's okay. choice. Dealer's choice. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, have we asked it? Have we seen this one before? Would you rather experience, this is a would you rather card, would you rather experience the beginning of planet Earth or the end of planet Earth? Did we do that one before? I feel like we have. Was it on here though? I don't know. Maybe maybe it was on Squadcast, something like that. I think it might have been Squadcast. I've done something like that. Oh. Answer me right now. Would you rather experience the beginning of planet Earth or the end of planet Earth? Ooh. Ooh, 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 ooh. I mean, I don't know. Either one of those are challenges. Beginning, I, maybe the beginning, because if I have the knowledge of just the beginning and I don't know what I'm missing out on, then I, I, I don't know what I'm missing out on. But the ending of Earth, you know it's about to come to an end. You may make it to your deathbed. By old age, you might die <laughs> by the ending of the world. Yeah. So, like, if you didn't get a chance to do all the things you wanted to do, like jump out of an airplane or drive a Ferrari or <laughs> sail on the Nile, wherever it may be, you die possibly with that regret or mend a relationship or, you know, reach some level of success in your career. Now oh, you have so to you're die worried with those... about the world, I mean, a planet ending with you having regrets. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's more so. Okay, that makes sense. It's like you always, always something that you're like, man, I wish I had done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I can see that. I don't see anybody like leaving the world and being like, um, yeah, did it all, no regrets. Yeah, absolutely not. It's always something. Is that even possible? I mean, I guess like, if if you if you were like insanely rich and you've been rich your whole life, then I would imagine. But I mean, but, you might have you might have had like if usually when you're insanely rich or something like that, you might not have the best people skills, or you're yeah. a douchebag, and maybe you didn't have a chance to make real friends or something like that. So you never know. Very true. Mm. You know what's crazy is on the way in today, I was driving. I was thinking about winning the lottery. I think the lottery, in my mind at that time, was like 256, $256 million. Mm -hmm. And I thought about, you know, if I took it in one lump sum, I'd probably get about $150 million. Right, Cam? So at that point, I'm thinking like, all right, with $150 million, I can get us a nice house out here. Uh, we get a couple income properties, take care of some bills, and we can still have 
probably $130 million that we could put up and stuff like that, right? And then I started thinking about the vacations I would take and, mm. you know, old school cars. I Like, I don't need a whole lot of new cars, but I would get, like, some old schools. I love old school cars. Uh, the shopping and stuff like that. Of course, make sure my mom is good, my mother-in-law is good, and, you know, fans <gasps> go shopping, that type of stuff. I know we got to make that announcement too. Yes. Um, um, but in the midst of that, all of these things I would do, I completely abandoned comedy and work. And <laughs> yeah, acting. none I, of that. No, yeah, up. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think about any of that stuff. And I don't know if that was because uh, I feel like I've worked so hard, I deserve a break, or. Uh, I want to get really this. I wanna, done. Yeah, I want to get all this stuff situated first, and then. But I also feel like part of that is like you lose the drive for greatness when you kind of achieve a certain level of money, and that certain level of money is associated with success. So if you had the money for some people, that equates to the level of success for your your career path or your field. You might not be as motivated. That's what Whitney Houston said. She was like, I didn't need to work. I had the money. And Damon so Wayne said the same thing. She did what she wanted to do. She was like, I had money. I didn't need money. Yeah. It's, so, it's difficult. I feel like yeah, when, sometimes that's enough. When I when I see a rapper whose second album, the sophomore album, does not do as well as, as the, the, the first album, mm -hmm. I always equate it to the money. You're comfortable. Like if I was a rapper, I would try to experiment. If my if my my debut album was fire. When it's time to go in the studio and do that that sophomore album, I want to go somewhere remote. I want to have a limited amount of funds to have access to. I want to go back to a thugging days. I want to maybe however long as it takes to make the album. If it's taking take me three months, I I want to be gone for five months. I want to take a month to get acclimated back to like having to struggle or you know go through the trenches a little bit. You know, eating bologna, whatever it takes to get my mindset back to that struggle because. You fall off when you get comfortable and you get mm -hmm. the money. You become lax and you have the luxuries of time and resources. You're and not going to go as hard in that studio and you're not putting the same, you're not putting the same grit into that rap because you don't have that anymore. That's but that's foreign also to you. So with that, you still like going back to struggle town. Mm. It puts you in a kind of in a dangerous space, especially for a lot of, which is why a lot of rappers, like they they struggle to stay relevant because it's like, oh, now I ain't in the hood anymore. Mm -hmm. I can't go back, mm -hmm. not with the money I have now. Mm -hmm. So how do I stay relevant well, and keep talking about this shit when I'm not even living it anymore? Well, that's why I said go back to, I mean, not go back to, but go somewhere uh like rule, like if I went back, like I wouldn't go back to. You want to go live on a farm? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. But you like maybe your next album is all about no, milking cows. I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I would go somewhere remote, like you know, like in, <laughs> in, in, in Joshua Tree or Palm Springs or Twenty Nine Palms, where I don't have all the luxuries of clubs and bars and places staying open at twelve o'clock. Mm -hmm. I have to be very intentional about. Buying groceries or making sure I get to the place before they close or, mm. you know, somewhere on top like in Big Bear where you don't, it was like two Yo. town stores that closed yeah. at like 8 o'clock. One closed 
at like five. Six, and then one will close at like eight. So you got to like plan that shit out and it, it makes you more frugal. It makes you more responsible. It makes you more aware of your situation. So that's more so what I was talking about oh, instead okay. of going back. I would never recommend going back to I thought you were like, I got to go back to East St. Louis. No, 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 no. So that I can write my next music. No, and it's like, no, no. please don't. Please don't. Like, and I would, I would damn near not, not even want a car. Or if I had a car, it wouldn't be something flashy, you know. So you trying to live off the grid, Hannah style, for a little bit. Yeah, and like, I feel like that would get me back into, like, remembering when I was in this position I had to be mm-hmm. and being able to tap into that. I would take, you know, maybe some of the same pictures I had in the studio when I made the first album or same, the same pictures I had in that apartment that I was making that first album in and hang that around where I was so I can draw from that same energy. Mm-hmm. You know, only... Only take a Back week's worth of clothes if I'm even if I'm going to be there mm-hmm. for a couple of months. Take a week worth of clothes so I don't have that. Uh, I don't know, just that luxury of wearing what I want. Like cause sometimes you put on an expensive shirt up, expensive pair of shoes, it changes your whole swag, your whole mindset, your whole feeling. But if you ain't got that, if you got a, yeah. a dusty pair of forces, <laughs> and if you gonna be there for a couple of months, you got to wash these forces to maintain <laughs> their cleanliness. It's gonna change you, and you may be able to tap back into whatever it wow. was that you made that first. It's but just also idea. first world problems. He has to clean his forces. <laughs> I don't clean my forces. <laughs> exactly. Once, once the ones exactly. they get, it's like oh the struggle. I yeah. have to clean my shoes. I can't just after get a the new sixth pair. or seventh wear. Poor throw them away. Me. <laughs> hey, say what you want. They just never gonna be the Christmas no, that I want. It's funny because if that is your struggle, then you are doing fucking fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely, over here. But like your struggle yeah. is That's like relative when, to where you are. Yeah, like I was telling um, the kid, I was like, you, you have had like a legit full childhood. You have never had to struggle for anything. You've always had your own room, your own space, like your entire life. Mm-hmm. And she was like, um, Mom, I know struggle. Like this one time there was a water bug in the kiddie pool and it traumatized me. And I was I like, push her wow. <laughs> I think the only other struggle she had was that she had migraines. <laughs> like that was it. Life has has been great for that one. <laughs> Little asshole. Next card. Okay. Who in your life or past do you owe an apology and what for? I ain't never wrong about it. Want to start over? I give it another whirl. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know. Um, first instance will maybe be my mom. Uh, but that that can also come from just wanting to please your parents. Um. You know, a lot of the stuff I went through is because I wasn't necessarily rebellious, but you know, I hung with other kids. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that kinda that kinda came hand in hand with having a kid at an early age and everything else was kind of just wrong place, wrong time, getting shot mm-hmm. and getting set on fire, all that shit was just wrong place, wrong time. Um but I, I do remember around 27, 28, I called my mom one time and I thought about because I had thought about all the things she sacrificed to make sure I had a decent upbringing, stayed in a, a very abusive relationship so we could have a clean and decent house to live in. Uh, you know, didn't go back to college and didn't travel overseas because she got pregnant with me. Now, obviously, that wasn't my fault. I didn't 
asked to be here. But once I was here, she made sure I went to the best school possible. You know, I could have went to school in St. Louis, uh, which had a crazy dropout rate. But she fought hard and found an address for me to use in St. Louis so I could go to school in St. Louis and have a better education in her mind and also be close to her because she taught in St. Louis. And, um, you know, she did the best she could. I held a lot of things against her growing up. She never came to any of my school plays or recitals, mm-hmm. anything like that. But they always went to my, my my younger sister's stuff. And if they couldn't go, they sent me with a camcorder to record it. Wow. And I held I held on to that for a very it, long yeah, time. Yeah, I would have to. Yeah. And it makes sense. You know, as a kid, it's like, damn, y'all really... You know, I know I was an accident, and she was planned. Mm-hmm. And that has been vocally told to me, but I held on but to that shit. for a very long time. But... You know, even still, my mom did a lot of sacrifices. She did uh, the best she could. She was not perfect by any means. But given the situation, it could have been a lot worse, mm-hmm. especially when I look at some of my cousins and, and things of that nature and, mm-hmm. and the state that they're in mentally, emotionally, and the relationships they haven't been able to build, possibly because of the way that they were raised. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thankful. Mm-hmm. So I probably would, you know... And I've already apologized for it, but, you know, I, I, I would definitely be, try to be more understanding and loving growing up and maybe not have moved away so early because I kind of just left her in a trench. Not left her in the trenches, but I know she was worried about me and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm going to be all right. <laughs> but also, it's like, it sucks yeah. because those situations, as traumatic as, the, as they were. Did she ever try to get me. you to come back home? She knew I wouldn't come back home. I've mm. always been okay. like, I'm going to be all right. Like, once our relationship changed, when I told her I was having a kid and she went from talking to me to talking at me, mm-hmm. I lost my best friend that day. Mm. Like, she would not talk to me. It was literally, you need to you need to, you need need to, to do this and you need to do that and that and that. And uh, I felt that riff and I was like, all right, well, I'm out. And right. I never planned on going back. Um, he's texting. Yeah, he's texting. He's calling me. Oh. Uh, Kevin Tate. Uh call you other I feel <laughs> um so it, I never I never was planning on going back I knew that mm-hmm. and I also like it was also like a pride thing because like a lot of my uncles and cousins once they moved out the house they went back to their moms or oh, something like that so I was it like, was like I, I can't finna, yeah, yeah I'm not gonna be yeah. I done made a grandstand thing I'm out this bitch I can't <laughs> go back be like hat in hand and be like do you mind <laughs> so uh, part of it was pride and also just feeling like alright well, if I was growing up feel like I could do it then I'm growing enough to figure this shit out mm-hmm. if I gotta suffer for a little bit I'll suffer for a little bit you know mm-hmm. my house got bro- my apartment got broken my first apartment got broken in probably about a month month and a half until what I moved what apartment was this? this is one that was like uh, it was on New Hall's Ferry Okay. It was a it was a Walgreens right there mm-hmm. and a rallies right across the street. Mm-hmm. And uh it was apartment buildings right there behind this car wash. And uh I was still working at White Castles. I moved it to the place. I was stealing for White Castles. So I was making <laughs> decent money. I was like right under a shift manager, but I didn't want to be a shift manager, but they were still like paying me as that. And I was cool with the shift manager. So like we worked nights. We send everybody home at by 12, and nothing got rang up from like 12.30 to about 3.30, mm-hmm. sometimes 4. So we both walking out of there between $500 and $700 a piece, mm-hmm. right? And I had learned the, the menu so well that I knew, like, if you wanted the number one with cheese and a regular drink, that was 410. If you wanted to substitute your, sh- your drink for a shake, Jesus. that was 487. I knew so the tax much. exchange rate. I was, because we had to be on that shit. I knew I needed to start with a bank of like $60. I needed oh like $15 in, in ones. I needed fives and I need tens. 
Um, I feel like I've heard, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've talked about this as well. So I was doing well. Like right. I was, I had bought, at the time, the big screen flat TVs, like the ones that rolled, that was the big thing. I had one of those in my living room. Jesus. I had air, all that type of shit. I had Wait, multiple how radios. We get to, how we get to your apartment? Because I was talking about, <laughs> about um, um, you was on a roll. I'm like, how wait, how we get here? <laughs> I think we were talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. So oh, I was doing okay. good, and then uh-huh. had all this stuff, money lying around the house. I was buying diesels at the time. Diesels was popping. This was diesels had first come out. The shoes diesels. Mm-hmm. So I had like ten boxes of those. Man, somebody broke into my apartment and stole all that shit. We were talking about the struggle. If I got struggled a little bit. Oh. Okay. And so when I moved out of that apartment, uh, because I moved out the same night. I had my homies come up. We all grabbed stuff and we took it to my ex-girlfriend's house. Her mom okay me staying in that basement. And I stayed in that basement for five months. Really? And I didn't have a key. So I had to just, whenever they was available, I had to just coordinate with them. Really? And then I moved out of there before I moved into my uh, my cousin's spot. I stayed in my car for like two weeks. I stayed in a protege. I a Mazda protege. I was sleeping in that back and I was parking Shit, on White really? I was parking on White Castle's lot because it was a well-lit lot. Was that the same protege that I used to drive? Yes. Oh, I used shit. to sleep in the protege. Okay. Yep. So I stayed in there for I'm two weeks. I'm still learning shit about him, y'all. Stayed He's in there for two weeks before I got approved for this apartment on the south side. And that's the apartment that you met me in. Right. Um, damn it. You said something. You were talking so fucking fast. I do that. And I'm a pimp. I don't like to repeat myself. Shut up. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that water bottle should just implode. <laughs> like the submarine. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Um, <laughs> what's the skill you learned when you were a kid that you still use today? Mm. I've kind of become a little more lax on it, but like extreme cautiousness. Mm. Like when going to parties, going to areas I don't know, mm-hmm. trips, planning stuff, all of that. I've I've I had to do that as a kid because when I was living in garages and basements and, mm-hmm. and attics and shit like that before I moved in with my cousin Vale, if I looked like I didn't have a home or I was lost or I needed help, niggas would they would t- they would take advantage of me. Mm-hmm. I am easy prey. You know, so I wasn't super tall. I was solid, but I was not super tall. So I had to practice extreme cautiousness. I know if I get on this bus, this bus, before it gets to my high school, it stops at this other high school, this alternative high school, and these motherfuckers like to fight, right? They 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 were on buses, yanking people's book bags down, and when your shit falls out, you go to pick it up, they stump you. Shit. So I knew I, I got to get to work by three. So I either have to take the later bus, which is going to make me late for work, or I have to talk to my teacher and let him understand I need to get out of class early. So I can make it to school so I can take care of my kid. Mm-hmm. And so that planning, that cautiousness, that yeah. thinking three, four steps ahead is something that I've always moved with mm-hmm. because I had to. It wasn't yeah. even an option. If I hadn't done it like that, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't have made it out of my situations. Right, right. So, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Wow. I didn't expect you to... I don't know why I, I expected, like, uh, man, my... Style came from <laughs> uh, my style came from magazines. I used to see people in magazines. I remember when I was too broke to buy cologne 
first, my first cologne was like Aspen and Stetson, right? Shit like that. But when I wanted new clothes, I couldn't afford that shit. I would just like rip the pages out of magazines and put a little water on it and then rub that on my neck. You really did that? I absolutely did that. Yo, and I would I keep only them ever shits seen too. people do that on TV. I definitely would keep them shits. Them shits used to be mm-hmm. on like my, my my dresser or I would have them stacked together mm-hmm. in a fold or something. But like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, until I got money to afford that shit, yeah. 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 Had to. So what we get from this now is that you need to call your mom and apologize. He said, that's who I would apologize to. I ain't going to do it. (laughs) I've already apologized. Oh, it says, oh, an apology. So I thought it was still pending. No, I've talked. We've talked. Y'all talked. Me and my mom aren't the closest, but we're close. We're better than what we used to be years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. My mom is one of those people. She would just run an idea to the ground. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. She's like, well, I'm just saying if you did it, it would be good because of this. I'm like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not I'm not moving that way. No, no, I get that. I just thought that maybe stop repeating what you're <laughs> saying to me. I, I know what you're doing. You're not going to water me down. You're not, not going to drink. Nah, I hang up before that happens. EJJ. 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 Gross. EJ Squared. EJ Squared? EJ Squared. Look, yeah, see? And now I gotta go get it. You I, gotta take it to the, I gotta take her to the tattoo shop. Like, you gotta get this tattoo. <laughs> EJ Square, baby. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, your your mom is hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. The the apology, the uh, y'all relationship. How do you how do you see it in like a couple years? A couple more years. Like it's grown a lot from when I, I first walked into your life. Mm-hmm. So where do you see it going? I don't know. You know, I don't want to say that money will help him fix all of that. Uh, I think it will help maybe lubricate the situation. And I mean that mm-hmm. in the sense of like, um, my mom hasn't done a lot of stuff because she had me and my sister. So when I took her out of the country a couple years back, uh, I was thankful to have Farron and my younger sister and my god sister, Dana, there with me because they honestly took turns stepping in and blocking conversation with me and my mom because my mom is, she one of them people, okay? Um, so I would love to, like, you know, show her the things that she's never seen before, you know? Uh, that trip we did, London, Paris, and Barcelona, uh, I would love to take her to Africa, you know, I would love to take her back to London. I'm not a big fan of Paris, but I would love to take her back to London. I would love to take her to Amsterdam. I would love to take her wherever she wants to go, like point at a map and we'll go there. But also have people there with me to <laughs> Some help buffers. Me. Yeah. yeah, so some buffers. So, you know, money would allow me to do that and then get her a nice house. The hardest part right now is spending time with my mom mm. is she has become complacent in a very bad situation. Mm living-wise. And me and my sister tried to help her into a better situation, and she turned us down. And it, a couple years back, my, I would say my stepfather, they would, by uh, common law, they would have been married. But um, he passed away was that 2018? 20, 20, I think it was 18. And since then, my mom has basically just stopped trying. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to be around someone that you see deteriorating and you point things out and they make no attempts to acknowledge or change mm-hmm. it. And it's 
it is it is hurtful. Right. And my heart screams every time I'm around my mom because mm. I see it. Mm-hmm. And I know the, I knew the old mom. Like my mom was big into poetry. She loved live music. The reason I have such a love for music is it's my mom and my dad. My dad was really into music. My mom used to tell me stories about them going out dancing to the skating rink. People were waiting for my dad to dance with him. <laughs> and my mom oh, was like, cool, yeah, like, I, I don't give a fuck. That. That's my man with that, right? <laughs> and my mom, my first concert was like uh, uh, George Duke, Al Jarreau, uh, I think David Sanborn, and uh, Nikki Wilson or some somebody Wilson, but she put me on the concerts at a very early age. My first concert might have been at like seven or eight, going to see these grown ass people, <laughs> and to see her lose that fire in her eye, mm-hmm. that desire to want more is is difficult to be around. Mm-hmm. You know, I I'm sorry, babe. I didn't mean to trigger a thing. Oh, you didn't trigger it. Like okay. I'm able to talk about this yeah. and. Um, I'm able to find the words to speak on how I feel now. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, this would have been a hard conversation. Right. And Very true. shit, a, a couple months ago, a, a couple of weeks ago, I wouldn't have been able to get through this without crying. And I've accepted where she is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to try to help her. Mm-hmm. But I can't allow that to stop me from doing what I do. Mm-hmm. I can't allow that to affect me to the point where I become complacent and I stop trying. I can keep trying to help her and yeah. see, let her see the worth and 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 continue to push on. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only way I could really fix it for her is if I had the money to just move, move her. her. Yeah, because my mom you just has have to this. Just go pack her up and yeah, move her. Yeah, she has like, a storage unit with all my stepdad stuff still in it. Go, and she was like, I'm gonna go through screaming. this and stuff and all of this. She hasn't gone through it in in five six years. She always says she's going to. And every time I go up there, it's some she has a new ailment, and it's like, well, what, are you going to the doctor? It's like, no, I'm gonna go eventually. It's like. I'm seeing her deteriorate. You're right, right. I'm wow. seeing her implode. And it's hard to see and be around. Mm-hmm. But that's still my mom. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's, it is difficult. So. Well, I hope that she finally listens. Something comes comes to her and it's like just, yeah. I I really, really hope so. Cause I know that it stresses you out every time you talk about about it. That's why I was wondering what the trajectory of y'all's mm. relationship and stuff. But I get that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Thanks well, for before, watching. <laughs> before we get out of here, no. Before we get out of here, tell us something we were, you're thankful for right now. Whoo. Um. I'm thankful for friends and loved ones who are not afraid to call you on your shit. It's very easy to get caught up in, especially Hollywood, with yes men and shit like that. But when you have genuine people around you that care about you and love you, and not just so they can continue working with you or benefit off of you, but because mm-hmm. they genuinely love you and, and, and worry about your well-being, uh, and they can pull you to the side like, nigga, um, that that makes a difference. So I'm 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 appreciative for the point I am at where I can mm-hmm. allow these people in and even accept that type of love, because for a while I was being friends with so many people on surface level because I was afraid to let people in, mm-hmm. and I'm thankful that I have grown and learned the uh, or 
being able to see the the significance significance and the relevance of allowing people in. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that for you. It's yeah, been man. so cute to see. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> now <laughs> we will get out of here. Thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of More to the Story. I am Farron Moore. I'm to hear more, niggas. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Bye.